0: Welcome to the Sonic Truth Podcast. At Radio Show this past September, we were lucky enough to moderate a panel about sonic branding that featured true radio luminaries, including Fred Jacobs, Pierre Bouvard of Westwood One, Stacey Schulman of Cats Media, and my guest today, Phil Becker. Phil is Executive Vice President of Content for Alpha Media USA. He's been developing and building the brands some of the most successful station groups around the country for over 20 years. We invited him to our radio show panel to talk about the incredibly unique approach he applied to building the audio signatures for 95.5 Portland. We'll talk about what went into that approach and look at data we ran on the Veritonic platform to see how those audio brands stack up to other, more traditional station IDs. Welcome, Phil.
1: Thank you, Scott. Looking forward to it.
0: Awesome. So why don't we just dive right in and and tell us a little bit about who you are and, and how you got here today.
1: I'm Phil Becker. I'm the EVP of Content for uh, for Alpha Media. Basically, if it comes through a speaker or a smart speaker on our 192 stations in our close to 50 markets, uh, somehow it's come through my desk or, or my computer. So, really fortunate to do it. So, I have all these stations. We have stations as far as um, uh, west as Alaska that I help, and as far east as Columbia, South Carolina. So, uh, I'm based in rainy Portland today. Uh, and I think I need to call the guys in Palm Springs and ask them if I can come work out of their office after your podcast.
0: Right, right. No, it sounds sounds like you cover a lot of a lot of air, as they, sure. as we say. Um, so, uh, so I mean, for for those of us who who don't know the the fine points here, so what, when you say help, what do you mean by help?
1: You know, the best way I can explain it is we have individual uh, program directors that that run the individual stations, and and so. You know they're choosing a lot of the things that are uh, part of you know owning that house and running that house and being the head of that household. Um, whether it's the the staff that they're they're hiring, which are the people that they live with, whether it's the um, way that it's imaged and packaged, which is the way the house is decorated, uh, whether it is the stations in their cluster uh, to their left and right, those are their neighbors. I'm really just sort of the real estate expert that comes in and says, hey. Your house could be more valuable uh, if you did the following things.
0: How do you feel like you can balance that creativity with with advertisers and how ads kind of fit in with each station and the different kind of character of each station?
1: That's a great question. Something I'm actually really passionate about because I think that we've stopped doing it. Um, I think that what's happened, if you look at, at a lot of um, monetization models, particularly for radio with advertising... Um, a person goes out an account executive goes out and and they meet a client and they recruit a client and they put them through a little CNA customer needs analysis. And then they come back to the office and we think that all of a sudden they're going to write this award winning commercial. Um, And, and it's one of those things where a lot of times, you know, over the last 20 or so years, the, the creatives of the radio station have sort of been eliminated. And we ask account executives to go write this amazing commercial for this jewelry store or for this car dealership or for this furniture um, retailer. And, and the truth is that a great salesperson has a completely different DNA and structure than a great creative copywriter or, or a great a commercial production writer. And so, you know, because we're, we're um, guilty of taking an industry and, and thinking to your first question uh, or second question that creativity is a commodity we just go, oh, well, Jim sold it to the jeweler. He met with the jeweler. Jim can write that commercial. Well, Jim didn't get into radio because he wanted to write commercials. There is people that got into radio because they wanted to write commercials or got into advertising because, you know, they watched Mad Men and Donald Draper inspired them with the carousel speech, right? Um, but but those those people are, are, are oftentimes, you know, sort of set by the wayside. So, you know, I, I wish I could say to you, that, that, the, that the radio industry is back to, you know, writing wonderful commercials. I wish I could say to you that the, that the radio industry takes their commercial advertising as seriously as they do even advertising for themselves. You know, I wish I could say to you that the radio industry cares as much about their commercials as, you know, the Super Bowl does. Um, but they don't. Um, and they cram as many of them in as they can in an hour. And they basically, as a general rule... Most commercials um, are, this is my name, this is my business, this is where you can find me. And they're full of cliches. They're full of, you know, let me give my phone number four times as if people remember phone numbers. Um, so, you know, I just think that we've gotten away from that and, you know, there's there's all these statistics, depending on who you ask, on what is the attrition um, percentage of advertisers to the radio industry. And, you know, when we talk about how to minimize that and and mitigate that risk, I don't typically see people saying, well, let's write better commercials. You know, they go, well, we got to, you know, we got to make sure we're calling on more clients. We got to make sure that we're, you know, we're checking on their business. We got to make sure we're saying thank you. But we never went back to the epicenter and the core of the thing, which is let's write them a great commercial. When stations want to promote themselves and get you to, listen to them more and get you to to talk about them more or engage in some sort of behavior, whether it's follow them socially or enable uh, their smart speaker or, you know, begin to stream them or to listen to their podcast. They come up with all sorts of ways and benefits and reasons to tell you to do it that they hope you'll remember. And then we, you know, we cram a crummy uh, plumber commercial down your throat and wonder why no one's calling the the client back. We have to... um, You know, allow people whose job is to create commercials to create them and the job of people who to sell them to sell them and don't think that one person is the same as the other.
0: Right. Now, you said so many things in there. I almost clapped like three times. uh, uh, (laughs) Thanks. Clap away. Seriously, this is so. I mean, it's just like, you know, just start, starting with like how important the creative is, right? And, you know, and obviously good creative is, is one of the biggest factors in in the outcome of an ad. And it's the thing that people seem to pay the least attention to. I actually have a, a side question to that. I'm curious to hear your opinion on. The barrier to, to create content is, is basically gone, right? There, there used to be you had to at least find your way into a studio. You had to have... Somebody sign off on it because there was studio time or there was, you had to get to a different room, like you couldn't do it on your phone. And, and that accessibility is really cool on some level. Like it's great. But on the other, on the other hand, it doesn't, it doesn't filter out the, like the people who, who like, you know, the account person just making the ad or doing the VO cause they can do it so quickly on a USB microphone or whatever. Whereas before you had to at least get in the door somewhere else where they had a microphone. Do you see that also where it's so easy to make content that it doesn't filter out the crap?
1: I do. I, I think that you hit it perfectly. Because the barrier to entry is gone, um, you're going to see more um, marginal marketing. I, you know, I, And that's, by the way, that's one of the things that like sometimes if I listen to a commercial, I'll say, congratulations on your marginal marketing. Um, and, 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 (laughs) you know, and, but I think that you're right. The technology is going to allow for, for more of that. It kind of doesn't matter. And I'll tell you why the real goal, whether it's for an advertiser or, or whether it's for each other is for what you hear through your ear to touch your heart. That's what we should be worried about. So, you know, I want to just, I want to spend time going, let's help people feel something after they hear something.
0: So to that end, like, you know, I think one of the things that, that is at the core of, of, frankly, what we look at uh, every day at Veritonic, but in general, is try to understand that emotional response. And, and while we certainly put some science and, and data uh, behind that, ultimately the goal of, of our of our technology, and, and actually my the, my the genesis for me starting the business was, I want to know how the audience was feeling right now so I could react to that. Um, and so to your earlier earlier point about if you could understand your audience better and not just not forget Veritonic for a second. If you just took the time to, to understand what your audience is doing, how they're feeling, how they're responding. That would liberate that creativity in a way where like, well, look, I know I'm going to find out and get some info back from my audience. I should try some stuff <laughs> rather than just do what the ad before me did. Um, do you see that kind of just like lemming mentality and that's say there? Are there basically a cut and paste thing happening? And do you see, or do you, are there, is there an outlier you can point to where, um, you know, there are advertisers that are taking some chances.
1: Yeah, um, I think you're, cor- you're correct. There, there is a lot of the, uh, the me too marketing. This is how I market my business? Yeah, me too. You know, the true test would be this. If you, if you went and you took a half a dozen spots, and, and I actually do this with, with radio stations, but it applies to advertisers, and you removed all of the names uh, that would identify who the client is, Can the consumer be able to tell you whose commercial it was? If you didn't say it's blah, blah, blah tires, would they know that it's blah, blah, blah tires? Because if they don't, then that's not an effective spot for blah, blah, blah tires, which, by the way, totally should be the name of a tire store. Uh, but, But that's the point. If I took the Apple spot, you know, here's to the crazy ones, and I remove any references to Apple, and there's very few references to Apple in that spot, you know who that is. Right. Yeah. Based here in Portland, we have Widen and Kennedy, which I think is probably one of the best advertising agencies in the world. And so, you know, I walk past them every day on my way home and I, and I walk by there and I go, man, Apple commercials were made there. Nike commercials were made there. You know, got milk commercials were made there. Just iconic things that, that came out of this room and, and I'm walking past it every day. And, and I say to myself, what's something that I've made that someday somebody will um, say, Hey, you know, Phil made that. Um, but, but you're, you're, you're right. We don't do that. What we do is, you know, it's funny. You brought up a great point on the barrier to entry. And, and what happens when you remove the barrier to entry is you're able to do more with less resources and less amount of time. So you would think Scott, that if I had more available time, I would put more energy into my creative, but I don't. I just go, okay, cool. Well, I got that done. Here's the next thing. Here's the next thing. Here's the next thing. If you take your creative, um, oh man, should I even offer this? Yeah, I'll offer this to you. So, so, you know, over the last six, eight months, I've been going through a, a, a really crummy breakup. And so I decided to write a few letters about it. And when I look back at those letters, I go, boy, if I put as much effort into helping clients write commercials as I did writing these letters, these would be award-winning spots. You know, I'll show this letter to someone uh, that go, yeah, I wrote this shit. Should, should I send this to her? And they're crying as they read it. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. That's just words on a piece of paper. The jewelry store just needs words on a piece of paper. Geico just needs words on a piece of paper. All we need is words on a piece of paper. But as a general rule, we go to work, we check a box, yeah, we put words on a piece of paper, but they're the same words we put on the piece of paper for the other client.
0: Right. And so I guess like the the big thing there is is and by the way that's amazing that you, you can bring it so personally in. And I think when something is authentic,
1: yeah, probably shouldn't um, have done that, but <laughs> no, no,
0: I mean, it's funny. This, when we look at the most common thing that we're asked to measure is authenticity. Um, and, and that's just that, you know, when something's authentic, whether it's a great song or whether it's a great ad or whether it's a great movie or whatever, like, you know, some, for, it came from, you can tell when something's authentic, it's just, it's in our DNA. And when something is, is not, um, it just doesn't resonate the same way. And, and, and it is a subjective thing. And, and what's authentic to you um, and, you know, may not be subject, you know, may not be authentic to me. And that's what makes that so difficult. Um, so, so pulling it around a bit from there, you know, sonic branding, and you mentioned that radio stations have a little bit of a better handle on this and you would like to think so, given that you're in the radio business and, and audio is at the core of, of, of what you do, you know, how much does the sonic brand matter to, uh, to a radio station?
1: Well, the the station itself, you know, the the, the great ones, uh, and I mentioned it a little bit in that exercise that I told you about where you remove the name of the client. You can do the same thing with the sonic brand of a radio station. You should be able to remove the name, you know, WXYZ or Kiss This or Power That or Hot This or Hot That and still be able to pick up on the essence of the personality of the radio station and be able to articulate who it is. The truth is, Scott, we all play the same songs um, nobody owns the music. I love it. I hear programmers say that all the time. Oh yeah, we own this song. No, you don't. I own every song ever recorded for $9 a month in my pocket. So that day has changed. But what you do own is what people feel when they listen to your sonic brand. And, 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 um, I think it's super important because it's truly, to be honest with you, the only thing that I can't get on my own everything else I can get on my own. You know, you, you brought up a a question in the beginning about, um, the importance of creativity. And I said back to you, creativity is the one thing you can't buy. Well, well, the Sonic brand of a radio station is the one thing you can't buy. You own every song on Spotify. You own any video you want to watch on YouTube uh, or any song you want to listen to. You, you have every piece of content at your disposal except the ones that the station decides are part of their brand and, and part of what makes them unique.
0: So, so if we're going to, if you have, do you have like a personal, I know it's like asking what my favorite kid is or something out of my, my four kids, <laughs> but like, you know, are there, do you have like a personal favorite? Maybe pick your top three if you have to, but what's your, what's your favorite? Just out of curiosity that, that you've done.
1: We have these uh, audio signatures on, on live 95, five that, um, are actually done by sound alike artists um where you know you'll hear um you know the Jonas brothers uh, singing the song and then in, in the song itself you'll hear mentions to live
0: 955 i sucker for you yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: will you hear... you Sam Smith singing the song and then mentions to live 95 five and probably my personal favorite, um, of though those are true, my personal favorites, but the things that make them, uh, my favorite, um, in this concept of, of infusing it into the song is I've had multiple times where the artist himself said, I actually thought that was me, you know? And, and they're like, man, I, 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 did I sing that? Like, what did I do? Well, when did we do that? And, and to me, Scott, I'm like, okay, you know, job achieved. So, um, those are probably my favorites when, when the actual artist goes, Hey, well done. <laughs> so it means a lot.
0: Right. No, that's awesome. That would, uh, that would, that would probably uh, be interesting to plug into Veritonic and no, it would, no one would know the difference. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, um, is, this, is this the Jonas Brothers or not? But uh, yeah, it's funny how that, uh, that works. All right, so it's really interesting to hear about the, the Jonas Brothers example. Um, you know, and, and I think when we did our panel in at the radio show, we, we talked a little bit about this data and that the, the Jonas Brothers one scored really well for authenticity, it scored really well for unique. Do you feel like this contributes to that? I think the Billie Eilish one also did well. You know, now that you have that information, you know, do, does that support how does it feel to be right, I guess?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of times I'm wrong, so when the right ones come, I I tend to celebrate. But um, you know, one of my favorite Steve Jobs quotes ever is um, people don't know what they want until you show it to them, right? And, and that's what you guys have, have done there is you've shown them this example and said, okay, now, now score this for me. Um, and the uniqueness score, you know, just was, was off the chart. Um, if I said to someone, excuse me, um, would you enjoy listening to a radio brand that made you believe that the artist themselves was singing about the radio brand in the middle of your favorite song? What would they say? I would say no. Shut up and play my favorite song, right? But if you show them the way that you can do it with the creative process, they actually reward you for it. They actually find it interesting.
0: And that comes back to really the courage to do it before someone else did it. Yes, um, and, and not being afraid to be wrong. Um, and that's uh, that's that's a hard hard thing to do.
1: <laughs> yeah. And by the way, Scott, I'm wrong every day, every single day. I'm wrong about something. But here's the interesting thing, and I used to, I used to get really hung up and like oh man, I handled that wrong or, you know, that idea didn't connect or whatever. But what I've begun to learn as time's gone on is people don't remember when you were wrong. They just gloss right over it. They only remember the stuff that you did that was right. They, they go, oh wow, that was so cool. Um, they don't remember the stuff that didn't connect with them. So try stuff, fall on your face, do it, do it over and over and over. So it, it feels good to have that, that idea, right? And it also feels good to have it, you know, authenticated or, or validated. I guess I should say, um, through your through your research. And and that's one of the things that I I, I really appreciate about what you guys do is you test sonic brands and uh, and audio effectiveness for advertisers and and radio stations. They 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 should be doing that for all of their clients. It should be something that that. Um, just be part of the package, part of the buy. You know, I hear those commercials about, and and you've heard this a million times over years and years, uh, tell them you heard the ad on, you know, Live 95.5. And what they're really doing is they're really trying to measure the effectiveness of if their ad was working. Well, X amount of people came in and said they heard it on the radio or they didn't hear it on the radio. That's your research?
0: Right. Well, that's that's the fear of being wrong thing, right? And that's 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 the hot button item here. And I think, and that's a great, I think message to get out on this podcast is people are so afraid of being wrong, um, that they don't try things. And frankly, they don't want the data. And when they do go to find out after the fact, they only want to ask the question that they're confident will not prove them wrong. Um, and like, you're, you're not afraid to be wrong and, and you've, you've come to grips with that and that allows you to be more creative. I think, yeah. Imagine if, imagine if Bob Dylan was afraid of being wrong, like where would we be? Right. You know, (laughs) like, like, he went out there and played though, and he 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 was in touch with his audience. He and he took tons of chances, and and I think like that's just one example. But that that's and in here is your you know, you'll try three three things that aren't the Jonas Brothers or or those sound like that'll probably that could bomb, and you're not afraid to do that. And I think that um, hopefully, as people are getting little nuggets out of these podcasts, right, this is why we do them, right. The, the two or three takeaways, one of them in here, I think, is don't be afraid to be wrong, and don't be afraid to ask the audience. It's okay if you hear you know, that wasn't good or that didn't work. That's okay.
1: Sure. Look, we, you know, we're going to, there's going to be people that are going to listen to this podcast today that are going to go out to dinner tonight and someone from the restaurant going to walk up to the table and say, was everything okay? Was everything to your liking? You know, um, are you happy? And, and the restaurant is, is willing to say, hey, is there anything in this experience that wasn't ideal for you? We do that with restaurants, but we don't do that with multi-million dollar brands. It's crazy to me. Well,
0: that's because they know that most people won't actually say when something's wrong. Although it sounds like I would never want to be your waiter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, no, no, it's you know. But here's the thing: people will say when something's wrong because they've now grown up in a world where they review everything, right? And 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 you get on Yelp yeah. and, and you leave the restaurant, and they want you to review it. I got out of an Uber this morning, and what does it do every time? It wants you to review your driver. Everybody lives in a world, you know. Get, download this app now, review it. You know, do you like this it app?
0: Flips the other way around. I'm I'm worried with the Uber drivers. Gonna give me right. right. <laughs> I'm like, did I did I close the door too hard? <laughs> that audience kind of artist relationship, though, even like you know Uber driver to person riding in an Uber, um, you know, it, it does create this really interesting world where I think you know you can deliver more relevant content to people. Stations can become more targeted. You can take more chances. Hopefully that continues. I hope there's more people saying what you're saying now. And I think, but when there's that mountain of data out there and people know they're gonna get reviewed, they they start they can they can start to clam up. And, and I do hope people listen to this and think, wow, that, that guy's taking chances. He's not afraid. Um, I can do that, too. And, and, and you, you, know, you referenced Steve Jobs a couple of times. He, he was willing to take those chances. And I don't think you have an iPhone unless somebody's willing to put something out there that, that didn't have a keyboard and did the things that you know, were just kind of outside the box. It, it could have bombed. Um, and he had plenty of things that bombed, and so that's that's hopefully hopefully that continues. Hopefully you keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> well, thank
1: thank you. And I think I think you know the the biggest thing is to remember that the data that you're given isn't your measurement on your value as an employee. The data, you know, a lot of times I think people go, I don't want to see this data, or I don't want to test this, or I don't want to know necessarily how this is scoring because they think it's their scoring as a leader or as a brand creator, and it's not that. It's, it's their scoring so that they can win more games. And so I, I would say, you know, anybody, Hey, don't, don't run from the testing. Don't run from the data, uh, use it to make yourself better, but don't create your idea to try to win the data either. You know, there's so many things that, that we talked about today that, that apply not only to just the audio business and the media business and the advertising business, but, but even our lives, um, you know it'd be interesting if you if you started to um ask your friends and family and and girlfriends and boyfriends to rate you after they spent time with you every day. right <laughs> oh, please <God. laughs> please, please rate going to see the Joker with me. How did I do? Um, but but maybe that's good. You know, maybe 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 we'd start to start to you know have more 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 meaningful lives. but but I think all in all, you know, there has to be there has to be a time to just say, Hey, today I want to do something that I've never done before, and and I want to feel something that I've never felt before, and I want to try something that I've never tried before, and and if it works, amazing, and if it doesn't work, you know what can I learn from it, and and how can I use this to to try to get that feeling tomorrow uh, that I couldn't get today.
0: Right now, and that's and I think to put a put a bow on it, you know, look great, creative and. Those chances, and, and that wins in the end, right? Because the advertisers or the people coming uh, to, to support the stations from sponsorships and advertising, if, if they have great creative, they're going to have more successful campaigns. The stations will do, do better and, and generate more revenue by – them having successful campaigns and frankly the end user the person listening to the station is gonna have a better experience when when things are when the creative is better when the content's better everybody wins in that situation and so hopefully um this has been a really exciting conversation hopefully you keep uh keep at it is, is there any place you know people can can find you or, or you would direct them to go learn more about you
1: yeah so uh it's really hard uh, my name is phil becker so on all social media uh i'm at <laughs> phil becker um you know, and I, and I try to take some of the things that, that we talked about um, today uh, and sort of turn them into individual posts, uh, you know, little little philosophies, if you will, or little unfiltered things that, that I think should be talked about. So uh, feel free to find me there. There's a couple different podcasts uh, that I've done that you can find there. And, uh, and also, you know, feel free to email. I, I, I do truly try to write back to every email that isn't spam. And sometimes I even write back to those just to freak them out. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Well, thank you, Phil. This has been a lot of fun. I'm really glad we had the chance to uh, sit down
1: and talk. Yes, Scott. I appreciate you inviting me. It means a lot. Listening to a podcast production of AW360, the year round content destination from Advertising Week. Visit AW360 at 360.advertisingweek.com and be sure to check out the other AW360 podcasts now available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Producers on this podcast are Jack Hirschman and Richard Larson, with music provided by Audio Network. For more information on Advertising Week, the world's largest gathering of advertising, marketing, and technology leaders, now in six markets across the globe, visit www.advertisingweek.com.